Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Monday, April 26th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include the acquisition of Flagstar by New York Community Bancorp, my interview with the Mortgage Bankers Association's VP of Industry Analysis, Marina Walsh, and what to look for on this week's month-end economic calendar. Today's podcast is presented by Capacity. Capacity is an industry leader in mortgage automation that empowers mortgage professionals with instant knowledge and automated workflows. Thanks to 24-7 service, clients receive a superior experience throughout the entire loan process. Capacity connects apps, mines documents, captures tacit knowledge, and automates processes through a mobile-friendly chat interface. While the market digests the acquisition of Flagstar by New York Community Bancorp, in previous generations, a pension from a company was a big deal, something that could make or break a job offer. Although retirement pensions have gradually been replaced by 401ks, earnouts, or social security, with an aging population, it is good to know that pension payouts are not taxed in 14 states. Like it or not, the government, with its taxes, is in our lives. More and more in 2021. Do you know anyone who is socially disadvantaged? Whether you do or don't, it appears that down payment assistance is on its way to them. For the link to that story, as well as the latest on employment, lender and broker services and products, and events and trainings into early May, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to bring on Marina Walsh, Vice President of Industry Analysis in the Mortgage Bankers Association's Research and Economics Department. Marina, you there? I'm here. Okay. You're here. Yes. Hopefully I can bring something to the table. (laughs) Yeah. I'm prepared for whatever uh, transpires. I think I think you'll do just fine. Anyways, let's let's hop into the interview. Thank you for taking the time. And you're now VP of Industry Analysis and Mortgage Bankers Association's Research and Economics Department. My guess is that women in the industry would admire your career path. Any advice for someone just starting out in our business? I would say I'm I'm one of those fortunate people. It's been great. I've been with Mortgage Bankers Association over 20 years now. And um, while things have changed, the, the one thing that hasn't is this industry is constantly in flux, which makes it exciting to be in research and economics. So my first advice is to learn as much as possible and to say it's really an exciting industry and in that there are a lot of people from that started out from different walks of life. Not everybody goes to college and says, I want to go into mortgage banking. So you have philosophy majors, you have business majors, lots of accounting majors, uh, you know, folks that were in marketing in in college. So I I like the diversity of the people in terms of their backgrounds, uh, whether they were skiing on the slopes of Colorado for several years or or started out at a public accounting firm. um, You get a lot of variety um, of folks, both men and women. Um, more diversified now than it was 20 years ago. So over those 20 years that you've been at the Mortgage Bankers Association, how's it changed during your time there? I think the membership has changed. It's more important for us as a trade association not to have a one-size-fits-all type model. Um, We have large banks, but we also have independents. We have credit unions. We have community banks. 
Um, and each of those groups have different needs. At the same time, we as the trade association, we're still one voice, one vision, one resource. Um, and uh, so I think that that's probably the biggest is just the, the nature of the membership has changed over time. You see that in, in the data that's coming in in terms of movement, for instance, from banks to independent mortgage bankers. So that's one item that's changed. And, and I think in general, the, the Mortgage Bankers Association and the industry as a whole is more diversified than it was um, two decades ago. When we talk about data, 2020 was a great year for most lenders and by many metrics. And the MBA has actually made a name for itself monitoring and reporting on lender performance. Can you share a couple of your favorite highlights from the survey? And do you think you're measuring everything that's that's possible? Is there, are there any changes in data collection plan going forward? What can give us the the pulse? Sure. I mean, my favorite metric, of course, is just how are we doing profitability wise? And 2020 was a record year um, across many peer groups in terms of net production profitability. So profitability, like looking at revenues, expenses, um, productivity, and and uh, sort of some of the metrics that um uh, give you a sense of capacity constraints, such as days from app to close. Those are some of the favorite ones that I always look at. But in terms of new data collection, gosh, we can never measure everything, can we? Um, but some of the newer um, items we're trying to track is to get a better sense of what's happening in the broker wholesale market. Uh, there's some big players in that space right now. And we want to be sure that we're able to capture that volume for the purpose of forecasting um, in particular. And so that is a new study that we just started this past year looking at broker wholesale um, originations volume since our weekly application survey is really focused on consumer direct and retail origin, um, applications. And that data, it comes from your members correct or, or what what is mm -hmm. the yes yes it comes from our members we started a broker wholesale networking group actually um a few years ago so we're leveraging off of that um to try to collect that additional data very similarly we started a couple years ago a warehouse lending origination survey as well in addition to the data access that lenders can get by being a member to the mortgage bankers association what are some other good reasons for a lender to join? For sure, advocacy and policy. We have such a strong team representing the industry um, on the Hill, and we have policy experts who are able to uh, really dive into the regulations and investor requirements and bring a, a, a clearer picture, bring clarity to the industry. So, I mean, advocacy and policy are right up there. Of course, there's MBA research. There's also um, a bunch of education um, offerings for our members uh, that are part of their membership. And, and in that vein, I do have to ask, there are a very small number of large, well-known lenders that don't belong to the MBA. What would you tell them about joining or like to tell them about joining? Oh, shame on them. You have to join the <laughs> MBA. <laughs> we're, again, we're one voice, one vision, one resource. We're here to best represent the industry in Washington, and they got to have a seat at the table. 
it's very important or else, uh, you know, we, we may miss something. So in order to have a seat at the table, you need to join MBA. Yeah. And I had Seth Appleton, president of Mismo on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was really neat to see how that advocacy from mortgage banks and what they want gets, gets relayed to lawmakers and put into practice. And, and it seems like it really does benefit these lenders to be a part of it. And, so, and you're not relying on others to fix problems. You're, you're part of the solution. I think that's important. I think that's very important. So the MBA represents big lenders, small lenders, banks, non-banks, credit unions, nearly every lender out there. How do you balance those diverse needs of all your members? Carefully. Uh, we, we definitely go on listening tours. Um, Bob's been part of those to be sure that we are addressing the needs of all the different segments of our membership from small banks to large independents. Part of it is listening and, and providing a forum so that each of our, you know, each of our members um, has a way to bring their thoughts and their perspectives um, to our decision-making process. So, again, we have 40 committees, we have networking groups, we have listening tours for our members. Um, and so, through those ways, we're able, you know, at the end of the day, MBA really just wants to create a fair and level playing field for all the different players in the mortgage business. We do that again through our committees, through our communications, and and most importantly, listening to our members. And finally, one of the things I'm hearing from listening to a lot of lenders out there is that the, the days of margin compression are upon us. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, price wars can, can start becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. As the VP of industry analysis for the MBA, what are some of your thoughts on 2021 and the path of the industry in this very cyclical market? Well, it certainly is cyclical and not for the faint of heart, but I would say 2020 was definitely a good year. The, the, the first quarter of 2021 was very, very strong for a lot of companies. But, um, the, you know, this is the nature of the mortgage business now that I've been studying it for over 20 years is, um, you know, you do have those highs and lows. I would say those that are focused on the purchase market, um, based on the demographic data we have coming in, the purchase market is always in vogue. Um, The good news is mortgage doesn't go away like the Palm Pilot or the Betamax, if Robbie, you even know what those are, that those might have been before your time. But um, it's product, mortgage is a product that will not go away. So there will always be a need. Um, You know, there's a need for housing um, and there's a need to finance housing. The nature of the business may change. The winners and losers may change, but there, there will always be those the opportunity for a well-managed mortgage company. And even though I barely know what a Walkman or a floppy disk is, I agree with that (laughs) that sentiment wholeheartedly. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to, to come on and talk to me on the podcast. Thanks, Robbie. Looking at news over time, economic data released over the past month has exceeded expectations of many market participants and last week was no exception when it came to initial jobless claims. It hit a new low since the beginning of the pandemic, and, combined with a record number of job openings, points to a strong April payrolls report. 
New home sales blew away market expectations, increasing over 20% as builders reported selling out of new communities in days and limiting sales despite increasing materials and labor costs. Leading economic indicators increased 1.3% in March, as all areas of the economy saw improvement during the month. The ISM Manufacturing Index increased nicely in March to a 16-year high, and the Services Index wasn't far behind. The faster-than-expected rebound in consumer spending has prompted many to increase their forecast for GDP, due out later this week, with economists now expecting greater than 6% growth for the year, which would be the highest annual rate in nearly 40 years. Initial worries about runaway inflation have begun to subside as current price pressures are expected to ease later this year as the global supply chain bottlenecks improve. Despite all of this, there is currently little market expectation that the Fed will deviate from its stated path to continue to support the recovery through the remainder of the year. Looking at Friday, after Treasury yields surged to start the year due to large fiscal stimulus and a rapid vaccine rollout, the threat of President Biden imposing stricter regulations and higher taxes on the wealthy has seen those yields decline in April. Economic data to close last week added to an evidence of recovery, namely through the release of mostly better-than-expected manufacturing and services PMI surveys from major economies. By the close Friday, Treasury yields had pulled back a basis point while the MBS basis closed wider across the stack. We will have more commentary on new home sales surging 20.7% month-over-month in March tomorrow. This week's month-end calendar sees a pickup in Fed activity as well as data. Investors will receive updates on durable goods orders, house prices, consumer confidence, the first look at Q1 GDP, and the PCE index. The latest two-day FOMC meeting takes place tomorrow and Wednesday. March durable goods orders kick off the schedule. Later this morning brings April Dallas Fed Texas Manufacturing and a treasury auction of $61 billion of five-year notes. Today's desk support is one of the largest on the current schedule, at $8 billion over three operations, including two in UMBS 32% and 2.5% for $3.3 billion each. This last week of April starts with agency MBS prices worse down over an eighth and the 10-year yielding 1.59% after closing last week at 1.57%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A rubber band pistol was confiscated from an algebra class because it was a weapon of math disruption. (laughs) Thanks again to our sponsor, Capacity. Capacity connects apps, mines documents, captures tacit knowledge, and automates processes, all through a mobile-friendly chat interface. Capacity's conversational interface is easily embedded right on your website. Go live within 30 days. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.